Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you today and continue our study uh, through the book of Proverbs. I have the privilege today of talking about family and how we see family in Proverbs. Specifically, I want us to think about making the most with the time that we have left. So really pouring wisdom uh, into our families, what that looks like, how we can do this well, and really how we maximize the time that we have remaining with our families. So whether we're grandparents, whether we're parents raising young kids at home, or maybe we're empty nesters, the, the children have just left the home. I think this really applies to whatever season of family we find ourselves in. So I'm excited to, to dive into some of our scripture today in Proverbs. We're going to be in chapter 4, verses 1 through 9, and we're going to hear from a father pouring in to his boy. So uh, before we dive into our text and our sermon today, let's just ask the Lord to bless our time together. Father, thanks so much for the opportunity we have today uh, just to dive into your word, to look at Proverbs, uh, to look at family, uh, to look at how wisdom impacts our family, not just now, but also in the future, in the coming generations. So God, give us hearts to hear your word, to grow, to be changed more into the image of Jesus. Uh, God, may it stir in our hearts a passion to continue to pour and to the family you have blessed us with, whether it's grandparents or empty nesters, husbands and wives pouring into one another, or God, maybe it's spiritual family members. We're pouring into uh, mentees or people you've entrusted to care uh, for. So God, just be with us in, in the next few moments as we talk through your word. Help me preach what is true and right. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Now, I'm just going to ask you uh, to take a trip with me down memory lane. And I want to just start this conversation by talking about one of my favorite topics, and that is the 90s. Really everything 90s. I, I love the 90s. And, and I was born in 1985, so I don't really remember much of mid-80s, the late 80s, really even some of the early 90s. But you get into like 93, 94 and beyond, I have a pretty good memory of what's, what's happening there. And I remember some of the big events uh, of the 90s. So, so going back to, to 92 when President Bill Clinton was elected, I remember that very well. Uh, I also remember some of the scandal that kind of circulated around his administration. I also remember where I was, uh, the specific place I was, what I was doing when a news flash broke across our TV screen and I saw a white Bronco being chased by like 50 police cars in LA. Of course, that was OJ Simpson. I remember the trial that uh, took place shortly after that. I remember where I was. And I, of course, I also remember the mega toy Furby. Uh, and so if you had a Furby at home, own that. That is part of your legacy. That is such a fun memory from the 90s. But you know, more than the toys, more than some of the pop culture events that took place in that decade, I really specifically, most importantly, remember the TV. I was, a, I was a 90s TV fanatic. I loved just about every show that was produced in that decade. But, but I really remember every single Friday night with my two younger sisters, had lots of different cousins. We'd always go to my grandmother and grandfather's house every single Friday night. And we would watch a two-hour time block of TV shows called TGIF. And it was during this time block that I was introduced to characters like like DJ Tanner or Stephanie Tanner, Steve Urkel, Carl Wenzel. These are the people that influenced my childhood. And these were a wonderful uh, four-episode four, four time block where you just got to enjoy these characters. 
Now, what I love about these episodes and what, or these, these sitcoms is they really centered on family. Now, it was your typical sitcom. It was centered around some kind of crisis that would take place. And through the course of the episode, they would try and resolve this conflict. But I, but I loved how they really highlighted uh, the importance of family. And, and there was always this, this scene at the end of an episode where you really felt like the resolve was coming. You could always predict it. Because what would happen is the, the mood would begin to change. You would hear this really piano-based, synth-based music that would really just change the atmosphere, much like what you're hearing right now. The whole atmosphere of the episode changed, right? So mom and dad would place son or daughter in front of them on a chair, on a couch or something, put their hands on their shoulder, and they would just begin to spill wisdom into their life. Hey, this is how you can make good choices. This is how you say no to certain things and yes to other things. This is how you become a a good citizen in our community. They just spill wisdom and then boom, by the end of it, resolve. Now, as an eight-year-old boy, nine-year-old boy, that was huge because I just felt this relief. Thank you so much for resolving this conflict. And I I just really appreciate it, especially now being 35 years old, having a wife and three sons of my own. I really appreciate how they, how they highlighted the best parts of family. And all centered around mom and dad, somebody pouring wisdom into the family. Now in our text today, we're going to see a little bit of this theme. I want to talk about a man named Solomon. Now Solomon's life was anything but a sitcom. He had some tragedy in his life. There was some, some darkness in his life as well. But we're going to pick up in our passage in, in Proverbs chapter 4, that really get to this idea of Solomon pouring wisdom into his son. See, Solomon was supernaturally gifted by God with wisdom, the, the wisest man to ever walk the earth outside of Jesus Christ. And, and here we have this, this father, Solomon, pouring into his boys. And this is what we're going to pick up. So we're going to read Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Solomon writes, Hear, O sons, a father's instruction. Be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland and she will bestow on you a beautiful crown. So this text begins with a plea from Solomon to his sons to listen to the words that I am getting ready to speak into you. So so the words, the message that Solomon is teaching his boys is one of the most, uh, of utmost importance, which is why Solomon says, sons, hear my instructions. Be attentive. Two commands to listen intently, to lean into the words that was going to flow from his pen. 
Now, in regards to family, I think there are a couple of lessons that we can learn from this text. And really, I want to use these first two commands to listen to my instruction and to be attentive to really build our first point in the sermon today, which is this, be a good listener. When it comes to families, when it comes to interacting and communicating with one another, I think it requires really, really good listening skills. See, Solomon, his heart, he wants to share with his boys, some of the the joys and successes that he has walked through in his life. But he also wants them to understand and avoid some of the painful situations that Solomon has walked in as well. See, if there was ever a dad who knew what it was to, to walk in a pitfall or fall through a pit, if you will, it would be Solomon, right? I mean, this, this guy has seen family dysfunction at the highest level. See, it was Solomon's father, David, who had a great fall in his life personally in the aftermath of an affair with Bathsheba, who was Solomon's mother. And the prophet Nathan came to David and said, David, the sword won't leave your house. It was going to impact his family in various ways. And we see this in Scripture. See, David had a a daughter named Tamar, who was Solomon's sister. And she was sexually assaulted by her other brother, Amnon. And there was another brother named Absalom who saw this whole thing. And because of David's sexual sin in his own heart, he refused and could not intervene in what was happening with his children. So a period of time goes by and Absalom is just growing more and more furious. And so what he does is he decides to take matter into his own hands. And he has his brother Amnon killed. And not only that, he actually creates a coup to try to overthrow David's throne and runs David out of town. This is Solomon's legacy. He has seen family dysfunction, let alone some of the the cousins that were involved with this as well. It It was a family mess. But that's not where it ended with Solomon. See, Solomon oftentimes would follow in the darker roots of his Father. He was supernaturally gifted with wisdom, yet he still made some pretty terrible choices in his life, mainly taking foreign wives to be his wives, and and, and also the, the harem of women that he had as well. So his sexual idolatry led into worshipful idolatry of his heart, where he would actually raise up altars to pagan gods rather than worshiping the one and true God of Scripture. It totally led him away. Solomon knew what it was like to fall into a pit. He knew what it was like to have family dysfunction in his life. And now he's telling his sons, he's telling his boys, listen to what I am saying. Listen to the words of my mouth. I can save you from harm. Don't let your life be in vain. This is, this is when we play the tape forward in Solomon's life. That's what he says, vanity of vanity. All is vanity, says the preacher. And now he's imploring his boys, don't be like this. Listen to the wisdom that I'm giving you. Now, how many of us listening to this or thinking about this know what that's like? You know, maybe we've had a mother or a father, a grandparent speaking into us, or maybe it's a surrogate parent of some kind speaking into us, sharing wisdom with us. Hey, listen to what I'm saying, because if you listen, good things are going to happen. There's going to be joy and peace and, 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 and just a joyous life ahead of you. But if you refuse the words that I'm sharing, it just ends in pain. How many of us know what that's like? 
Or maybe some of us now are raising children or have people that we have influence over that we're ministering to in some way. And we're just sharing, listen to me, because if you keep walking down this road, I know what happens. And you know, just listen to me. But you know, in order to communicate those messages well, in order to really gather that wisdom and walk in that wisdom, it, it comes from listening really, really well. Thinking about Solomon writing to his boys. It just reminds me of the times where my biological dad would just try and pour into me and share wisdom with me to try and keep me from harm. In other words, one time I was asking my dad as, as a little boy why his, his, his pupil was permanently dilated. If you ever meet my dad, you'll see that one of his eyes has a permanently dilated pupil. So I, I just was asking about that one day as a kid. Dad, what happened to your eye? Why does it look like that all the time? And he said, well, Isaiah, let me share a story with you. So one day when I was a boy, I found a piece of rope and a knife and I was trying to cut the rope. So, so what he did is he looped the rope in his hand like this and put the knife under it and the knife slipped out and he actually stabbed his eye. So I learned a couple important lessons that day. I learned the proper way to cut a rope was away from your body and your, your eyes. And I learned that knives are really sharp. See, my dad was sharing this with me so I would be free from that harm. This is what Solomon is doing. Listen to me. If you don't listen, it's just going to cause you pain. But you know, listening to, to Solomon's experiential wisdom wasn't his only thought here. It wasn't the only thing he's trying to communicate. See, Solomon wants to not only share his experience, he wants to share scripture. And which leads to our second point. Family wisdom starts with scripture. Notice what Solomon says in verse two. He says, for I give you good precepts, do not forsake my teaching. Now, I think there's a couple of words that we should dissect in order to grasp the, the full depth of what Solomon is teaching here. First of all, he uses the word precepts. Don't, I give you good precepts. The word here is, Hebrew word is lechak, and it means sound doctrine. It means wise learning. So Solomon's primary concern is not about sharing his background. It's about sharing Bible. He wants his boys to know about the good doctrine found in Scripture. And we know this based on the word he chooses to write next. He says, don't forsake my teaching. That word teaching means Torah. He, he's talking about Scripture. He's talking about the Bible. He says, so, so, so Solomon, what he's writing here is saying, son, listen to my theology. Listen to the words of Scripture. More than my background, let's listen to Bible. Now, what a great word for families today. That if we want solid families, if we want families that are going to be impacted with Scripture, it comes from having an impact of Scripture in our families. What a great word for us today. Because we want Scripture to be the foundation on which our family is built. But if you're like me, this can often feel like a tall task. So I don't know how your schedules are, but my schedule can be very filled at different times. We have sports, we have school activities, we have church activities. Our calendar can be pretty filled up. So just finding room to have a foundation of Scripture can be difficult at times. But then there are the other times when you actually do have time and you make some time for this. But then you, the doorbell is ringing, your phone is going off, the dog is barking, dinner is burning in the oven, whatever the case is. It just, it's interesting anytime you try to have a, a spiritual moment with your family, it seems to be interrupted by some kind of distraction. Let me just say something. Don't be discouraged. 
Don't be discouraged. Let me just encourage you to do what you can do with your family in regards to having Scripture be a part of your family dynamic. Listen, there's no magic formula for the perfect family devotion life. It's just making it a priority and interacting with the Bible as a family. Let me just share what my family does in regards to to family devotion time. We pick a couple of nights a week, two to three times a week, and I'm going to spend some time after dinner, after everyone is done eating, I'm going to grab my Bible. I'm going to read maybe four or five verses of Scripture or more, depending on what we're studying. I'm going to ask a few discussion questions. And we're going to dialogue through the passage. We're going to pray. That's the extent of our, of our, devotion, our devotion time as a family, interacting with Scripture. Now, I, I fear that I've made this sound more spiritual than what it actually is. Now, I desire that super spiritual moment in my home, but oftentimes we're talking about the four or five rabbit trails that have been, have been kind of rolling through the boys' uh, minds, and I, I'm going to interact with that. And so it's, it's not always accomplishing the discussion, but here's why I think this is a win for my family. First of all, I was able to read Scripture with my family. They're hearing God's word prayerfully. It's being hidden in their hearts. They're going to roll around and think about these passages. And there's dialogue. I'm able to communicate with my boys. I'm able to hear from their heart, my wife's heart. I'm able to have a conversation with my family. And I love that. A dad to three boys, it can be really difficult to have boys talk. I love when my boys are talking, especially the older that they get. And so I love having this time with my family. So I pray that you are encouraged just to begin, just to interact with whatever that looks like for your family. There's no magic formula. It's just interacting with Scripture. And I really believe that the more that we can interact with Scripture, the more it can be a foundation in our homes and with our families, it leaves generational impacts. That's our our third point today. Sharing biblical wisdom with our families, it leaves generational impacts impacts. You know, and I, and I see this because I love the detail that Solomon shares in the next couple of verses in our text. It's as if Solomon is walking down memory lane, remembering the time when his father David was sharing wisdom with him. The, the moment when, when David would set Solomon down, place his hands on Solomon's shoulders and say, Solomon, listen to the words that I'm teaching you. Listen to the wisdom that I'm getting ready to share. And Solomon begins to share this with his boys. Notice what he says in verses three and four. Solomon writes, when I was a son with my father, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast to my words. Keep my commandments and live. You see, not only is Solomon walking down memory lane, he begins to quote back what his dad taught him. And we see this through the end of verse number nine. He he vividly remembers the life lessons taught to him by his father. You know, what's interesting is I kind of feel like I know what Solomon feels like in this moment. I think I know what it feels like because it's the same thing that I remember when I think about my dad spilling wisdom into my life. It's, it's a combination of complete joy and nostalgia, and it's mixed with scenes of regret and pain. It's joyful because I'm so grateful to think about that I had a, a father to, to spill wisdom into my life, but it's also painful when I think about the times I chose not to listen. Maybe you know how this feels as well. And I think this is one of the reasons Solomon has so much urgency in his message. Throughout his writings and Proverbs, we see the urgency in his heart 
Son, listen to the Torah. Listen to Scripture. Listen to my experience. Let it shape our lives. The urgency is there because he knows how valuable wisdom is and what happens when wisdom is not cherished. But what's interesting here is we see the impact in Solomon's heart, even if that wisdom wasn't always listened to. How about our families? Where is biblical wisdom making an impact in our family? See, the reality is it could be that up to this point, there's been some other definition of your family where biblical wisdom has not been the banner over your family. Maybe it's been alcoholism. Maybe that's the definition of your family. Or maybe it's abuse. This is how my family has been known. This is what has been in my family for so long. It's just been abuse. Or maybe it's overwork. We are workaholics. We define ourselves by our hard work ethic. That's great. But when that becomes the main thing, that becomes a bad thing. Maybe that's been the definition. But it doesn't have to be this way. Maybe you're the one to be that generational chain breaker that says, you know what? I'm not going to be defined by what has been the definition up to this point. I'm going to bring a new definition of biblical wisdom into my home. I'm going to pour wisdom into my wife, to my kids, to my grandkids, the person I'm entrusted to mentor. That's who I'm going to pour into. Maybe that's what our job is in this generation. And the word of God leaves generational imprints all over our family. See, it's this call to gather wisdom. It's this call to walk in wisdom that Solomon remembers so well, even as he's older. He reflects on the words of his father. Notice what he says in the rest of the text. Again, this is David sharing with Solomon. Get wisdom, Solomon. Get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. See, the woman that David is is, is talking about to Solomon in this passage is wisdom. And he's imploring his son, listen to wisdom. This is what true success looks like. It's, it's following the ways of Scripture. Prize her, and she will, she will treat you well. But we know the story of Solomon. We, we've discussed that a little bit already. Solomon didn't always listen. Solomon didn't always listen to the wisdom of Scripture, the wisdom of the Lord. He turned to man-made wisdom, and it cost him dearly in many areas of his life. But yet, even as an older man, It made an impact. He's remembering. He remembers a time where his father spoke. Now as a dad to three growing boys, this is so encouraging to me. I love this because sometimes as a dad, as parents, if you have children or have raised children, you know that sometimes it just doesn't feel like we're making the impact. It doesn't feel like they're listening to the wisdom that we're sharing. They're not listening to the wisdom of Scripture. We have to take heart in knowing that if we're spilling it, it's going to be hidden in their heart on some level. They're going to remember the wisdom that was, was, was poured into them. It's going to have some kind of impact in their life, even if it's not always listened to. You know, ultimately, it's not my experiential wisdom that I want them to remember anyway. It's the, the biblical wisdom, the godly wisdom that I, that I desire for them to know. 
So I find a very great encouragement knowing that, wow, I'm going to keep pouring, and I'm going to keep investing, and I'm going to keep giving. I may not see results now, but I'm playing the long game. I'm going to look to the future. I'm just going to pray that God just brings these things back into their remembrance when they are older or when they're in situations where wisdom needs to be exercised. Now let me transition here for a little bit because I know I've talked a lot about biological types of families. And I also recognize that some of us have not had the, the blessing of a biological mom or dad or, or grandparent pouring into us. I recognize that. And so I just want to say that, there, that I really believe that there's an application here for, for, for those of us who have walked in that way as well. Because if we have not been blessed with a biological family, but we proclaim Christ as Savior and Lord of our life, we have had the blessing of a spiritual family. We call it the church, brothers and sisters, spiritual mothers and fathers in Christ who speak wisdom into us. And I think we see this clearly in Scripture. You know, I'm reminded of passages like Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, where we read, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Or Ephesians chapter 2, 19, it says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God. We have a spiritual family in Christ. Or Romans 12, 5, where Paul writes, So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. See, in Christ, we have a spiritual family. I'm also reminded where Paul calls Timothy a true child, a son in the faith. He addresses scripture to the brothers and the sisters. We see this all throughout where we're just acknowledging that we have a spiritual family. So maybe we haven't had a biological mom or dad, but who's our spiritual mother and father? Who's our spiritual brother and sister that that can speak wisdom to us? I've had many spiritual brothers over the years just speak profound wisdom in my life, giving me direction, giving me some reorientation when that is necessary, just to provide some wisdom for me. I've been so grateful for the spiritual fathers and brothers throughout my Christian walk who have just so diligently poured into me. And ultimately, you find that connection by being connected. And here at Highland, we, by God's grace, it's, it's really uh, so, so easy for us to find that connection, to find that spiritual family. You know, some of us find spiritual family in a life group where you get together with three or four other couples and just share life together. Maybe you find your spiritual family in a women's group or men's group or G180 or young adults, whatever that looks like. We find spiritual family. We, there are ministries all throughout our, our wonderful body that provides that for us. But maybe spiritual family is just meeting together with a, a lady or a guy for coffee or being invited around the dining room table to share a meal. That's where we find our spiritual family. And as we open up God's word, we see biblical wisdom. We walk in biblical wisdom. Let me just encourage you to be connected to your spiritual family. Even if you've not had the biological, in Christ we have a spiritual family. We have the church. And as we begin to land the plane uh, on, this, on this sermon, as we begin to wind up here, let me just offer two more points that just, just for application. The, the first application I want to share is just embrace wisdom. We, we notice what David says to Solomon, hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. this is what David is sharing with his, his son. Hold fast, don't just hear, don't just listen, embrace it, walk in it, live in it. Because here's the reality. 
Wisdom is useless unless you use it. Walk in that wisdom, gather wisdom, and just practice wisdom in our life. So let me just encourage all of us, let's embrace wisdom as we hear it. Let's hang on to it. Let's hold fast to it. Let's embrace it. Let's walk in it. And then the final point of application is this. Make the most with the time you have left. Make the most with the time you have left. So whether you are empty nesters, make the most with each other as spouses. If you're grandparents, make the most of the time you have with your grandchildren in this particular context and into your adult children as well. Maybe it's just you as a, as a single pouring into a mentee of some kind. Make the most with the time that you have left. Now, my wife's reading, reading a book and in this book, the author gives an illustration using toilet paper that I have for us today. Now, I have 18 sheets of toilet paper here because in this illustration, he said, imagine that each, that each child you have stays in your home for approximately 18 years. I want you to take a piece of toilet paper and I want you to rip it up into 18 sheets. Now, 18 sheets for one sheet equals one year of your child at home. So we actually did this with my oldest son just a couple of weeks ago. And so I wanted to illustrate this for us today because it really impacted my wife and I in making the most worth the time we have left with our boys and with one another. See, I have, I have a, a nine-year-old at home. So that means if I were to rip this basically in half, that means I have nine years left with my nine-year-old son. This is the time that I have left with him. The time that I just ripped off that time is gone. It's over. But this is the time that I have left. I have nine precious years that I want to build into him. I want to share godly wisdom with him. I want to teach him about the ways of the Lord, share some of my own experiences as well. And I want to continue to build into his life. Titus, walk in the ways of the Lord. But you know, I also have a 12-year-old. That means I'm going to take three sheets and I'm going to rip that off because now I only have five and a half or six years left with him. This is what I have left with Elijah. I want to build into you. I want to pour into you. Think about your own children. Think about your own grandchildren or your spouse. This is what you have left. Eli, walk in the ways of the Lord. And then I also have almost a 15-year-old. And this is the time that I have left with him before his next season, whatever that looks like for him. Whether it's college, the workforce, whatever God leads me, this is what I have left. And so I want to make the most of the time that I have left because time is short and time is precious. Teaching him to follow Christ, to, to build into his relationship with the Lord, to always walk in the ways of God, walk in biblical wisdom. I also have a wife of 16 years as well. I don't know how much time I have left with her, but the time that I have left, I want to build into her. I'm going to help her in her sanctification journey because that's my mandate as a husband. And I want to keep building into her. And I pray by God's grace to have a whole litter of Damascus grandbabies someday after, the, after a while. And I want to build into them as well. I want them to know about grandpa's love for the Lord, for, their, uh, for my heart, for him. And I want to teach him about his ways. God has also provided several men in my life to, to build into, to speak wisdom into. And I don't know how much time I have left with those guys, but I want to build into them as much as I can and make the most time that I have because they are my spiritual brothers. So, so friends, we have spiritual family in our life. Maybe we have biological family that we can build into. And I pray that we make the most with the time that we have left by walking in biblical wisdom. Let's listen well. Let's build on a foundation of scripture. Let's leave generational impacts and let's make the most with the time we have left. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this time today. I'm grateful for your word, how it teaches us and builds into us and gives us a foundation of wisdom. 
God, I'm grateful for promises like James chapter one, verse five, where it says, if anyone lacks wisdom, that we can ask you, God, and you give generously without reproach. So God, I pray for a heart that asks for your wisdom. Let us walk in your ways. May you be glorified in what we do, God, and may our families live in a way that is just a beacon of light. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen.